Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of you, wherever you are, on this planet Earth and the known universe. You're listening to Clef Signs. I'm Captain Keith. And today's episode is about the new music documentary uh, called Biggie, I Got a Story to Tell. It came out this month on Netflix. This documentary is actually directed by Emmett Malloy and is produced by, executive produced by Sean Puffy Combs, a.k.a. P. Diddy, and produced by Valletta Wallace, Biggie's mom. So what can I tell you about this documentary? Well, where do I begin? This documentary is very fascinating and interesting because um, you get to see Biggie's humble beginnings uh, before he became Biggie. You know, Christopher Wallace, you get to see him living in Brooklyn with his mom. Uh, you find out things about him that you didn't know. So it's it's interesting and ironic because there are things about Biggie that you think you already know about and you're waiting to see them talk about those things and they actually don't talk about most of those things. And they actually, they were able to find other things about Biggie Smalls, Notorious B.I.G., uh, to talk about and to show you to show you and display that we didn't know, which was very um, informative. It was really cool. Uh, for example, you know, I did not know that Biggie was basically is Jamaican. That his mom's Jamaican, his father's Jamaican, um, but of course, you know, his mother migrated to New York for a new life and started her life there, and you know, you know, in New York, in Brooklyn. So, I mean, that's one thing about Biggie I didn't know. I mean, I, I guess I knew that Biggie's mom had an accent, but I didn't really, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really think that much about it. I guess I didn't really, I guess I wasn't really noticing that much, and I should have. Um, but um, you, you get to find out. I mean, so I mean, there are some things that. We already knew, for the most part, that Biggie was raised uh, in a single-parent home. Um, so, I mean, that's that, that's that's public knowledge. Uh, they go a little deeper into that, not at the beginning of the film, but definitely, uh, like in the middle, and then definitely towards the end of the film, you it it it, it really hits home. Um, um, what that was like for him and the dynamic between his mom and, and he in regards to uh, what that did to him for better and for worse. So, but what I liked about this film is, I mean, there are things that I really loved about this film um, and there are some things that I felt were missing. We'll, we'll get into that too. The most interesting part of this of this documentary about Biggie is that now this was a young you know a young man as a kid he loved music uh, he loved hip hop like most kids would if you're living in New York in the 80s you know he was definitely Generation X <laughs> and uh, he was captivated by by hip hop and it's funny because his mom didn't really take that much of a notice, but 
but she was busy working full time and supporting him. And she, you know, as a single mom, she, Miss Wallace, Valletta Wallace, uh, Miss Valletta Wallace, you know, she paid for him to go to private school, put on a uniform. The cool, one of the, the cool thing about this movie is that you get to see Biggie's childhood friends. Uh, people usually don't really know about, uh, talk about him and talk about what it was like being his friend, you know, and growing up with him and the differences and contrasts between uh, their childhood and Biggie's. You know, one friend talked about how he went to a public school and he wished that he could go to a private school like Biggie and put on a uniform and feel and not feel the pressure of, you know, having to wear the freshest clothes, have, having the coolest kicks slash gym shoes and, you know, having to deal with that. You know, there is definitely uh, a lot to be said about, you know, what public schools in America are like and, and what can be the differences. You know, I'm of the belief that if public schools had a uniform policy, you know, and all the kids had to dress alike, there wouldn't be an issue in regards to fashion, you know. So I, I, I can see that. And it was interesting to see that in the story, in the movie, his friends talking about how yeah, Biggie went to private school and yeah, as a kid, and, you know, he didn't really care for the uniform. And his friend was like, well, man, I would love to have that uniform and not have to worry about, you know, what I wear when I go to school. So, you know, that was a, a big difference uh, in, the, you know, in his life. And you know, Biggie was always a smart kid. That was never the issue. But the streets of New York definitely would become an issue for him. <laughs> I mean, and you you definitely see that in the film. So there were there are definitely things about Biggie. I got a story to tell that that they didn't uh, shy away from. For example, before he was a rapper, it's well known. Even when you listen to, you know, Juicy from him you know it was all a dream I used to read Word Up magazine that uh, he talks about how he sold drugs before he got on so they do go into that definitely Um, and how he saw the appeal of making money you know selling crack so (laughs) and keeping it from his mom for as long as he could before she did find out Uh, so that was interesting um watching this kid who basically uh, his friends all said his childhood friends all stated that you know a lot of times Biggie would be on his front porch uh, and his mom would always keep an eye on him and she wouldn't let him go too far when he was young and she would call him into the house so he wouldn't get in trouble so all that time and hard work and effort she spent on keeping him out of trouble worked into an ex- you know to an extent but eventually he got older and he, and he got to see what other people were doing in the neighborhood, you know, other kids making money, having a car. You know, when you're a teenage boy and you're like 14 or, you know, or 15 and you see the cat down the street who's selling drugs and he's got a car that you like, man, you know, that's that's it. You, you see, he's got the things that you want to have and he, and he has some type of independence 
because of what he's doing. And there seems it seems to be glamorous. Of course, gangsters can always appear to be glamorous initially up front when you look at them on the surface, you know, from the outside looking in. But as I would say, you know, gangsters do not have a retirement plan. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, they don't, you know, they either wind up, you know, dead or in jail or both. So, but, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself. You find out that, that uh, Biggie Smalls was so driven uh, by hip hop and music. One of the things you do find out when you watch this movie is that, you know, he created a demo as a teenager. Uh, as an early teen, he recorded a demo because he wanted to be a rapper. You know, he knew earlier, but at the same time, you know, when you're a young kid and you're fascinated with music and you want to experiment and, and, and take your shot, a lot of times you think it'll never happen. And what's great about this story is that eventually, you know, it did happen for him. You know, when he when he didn't think it would, uh, he has a friend called Oli, uh, who who's a you know a connected drug dealer in New York, and Biggie's hanging out with him, and Oli sees that Biggie can rhyme, and Oli's like, you know, hey, you're gonna make it, you're gonna be that guy, you're gonna make it, and you're gonna bring us out of all this, you're gonna definitely. You know, you'll be able to save us from this game. You know, this you know this drug game. Because you know, when you make it, I know we'll all shine. Because you know, Oli, Biggie, and his crew—they felt like family. They were family. You know, they were just out there hustling, doing their thing. And you know, that premonition came to fruition. Some other things happened along the way. That you'll, that you'll see in this movie. So, what I thought was interesting is this film actually digs deeper into Biggie's familial background. Like I said, you know, I didn't realize that he, he was Jamaican, you know, so you find out that he would spend summers in Jamaica. So, I, you know, I'm going to talk about the movie, but I'm, I'm going to do my best not to give it all away because you definitely need to watch this film. It's definitely worth watching. I mean, you hear from uh, Little C's. You hear from, of course, you hear from Puffy. You hear from his mom a lot in, the, in, in this movie. You hear from Faith Evans. Um, and there's other people that you see uh, in this movie. Uh, so, and what's cool about this documentary is that the other people that you see in the film... Some people, I mean, there's people that you definitely hear from and there's other people that you see and you don't hear from them, but you see them. But even when you see them, they're still speaking volumes, you know, just in the scenes that you see in the film. So I can definitely tell you that. Um, it's a, This is a great movie. Uh, this is a great introduction to, to Notorious B.I.G., for anybody who might be under a rock or doesn't know who he is or anybody who was fascinated, I can honestly tell you that in the 90s when Biggie was out, I wasn't really that big of a fan of his at first because, you know, once I heard, you know, By All Means Necessary from Booking Down Productions and 
Fear of a Black Planet from Public Enemy. You know, that was the course. I mean, that was the direction I was aiming in. You know, and Daylight Soul and Tribe Called Quest, you know, coming up on that, my mind was more on that um, than anything else when it comes to hip hop. I didn't, you know, I wanted to hear more positivity. I wanted to see more Afrocentrism uh, in hip hop. And so I didn't necessarily see the appeal of Biggie for a while. I didn't get it. And, you know, between Biggie and Tupac, like, I I did like Tupac's early music, but once again, you know, once he left Digital Underground and he shifted uh, and got with Death Row, I wasn't necessarily into what he was doing at that time. So, yeah, I can honestly say I wasn't a real big Biggie fan at first at all. And I was, I used to get really frustrated that people loved him so much uh, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't I didn't know why because I'm l- listening to the lyrics and I'm like you know he's not really saying anything but you know there was more to that story that I realized later um, and you know he wore me down um, <laughs> when, I heard, when I heard Big Papa <laughs> I, I enjoyed that song you know uh, and when I heard Juicy the narrative, I mean, when you hear that song, the narrative just speaks to you. You just, he paints such a vivid picture of his life. And then I realized, wait a minute, this guy's voice is so unique. Um, his delivery is flawless. And that's what got me. I didn't know it you know, at the time, but that's what it was. It was the delivery. It was the charisma. It was the music videos. And when you watch this documentary and you hear his mom talk about him, you know, it's 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 cool because, you know, his wife, his childhood friends are like, oh, yeah, Miss Wallace. She always called him Christopher. She never called him Chris or Biggie. It was Christopher, Christopher, <laughs> never Chris. <laughs> and it's cute because, you know, that's mom. Or as he would call her, Mom Dukes, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh... You know, you, you find out, uh, yeah, I mean, she it was, she wasn't into rap. You find out that his mom grew up in Jamaica, like I said, and she migrated to, a, to, you know, to America, to New York. But she grew up listening to, like, you know, reggae music and country music. I know it's weird. When you think of Jamaica, you don't think of country music. You just think of reggae. You know, you think of reggae, rock steady, maybe Sky and Dub. You don't think of country music, but... It's interesting because I'm a, I'm a big Peter Tosh fan, and he would, you know, talk about listening to Kenny Rogers, you know, and Motown. So it's just, you know, it's it's really interesting to see what people grow up listening to. And you know, Biggie told one of his childhood friends that you know he couldn't really go to sleep at night unless he was listening to some country music. Now this is a cat who's considered one of the kings in hip hop. So when you watch this movie. They definitely uh, dive into things about Biggie that you didn't really know about. And that's the beauty of this documentary is that, you know, you, you get to find out things about Biggie that you didn't really know. So, you know, versus the things that you thought you knew. It's like, you you know, I, I came into this movie like, okay, what are they going to tell me? I don't already know about this guy all this time later. And they found a way to tell me some things. And it was really cool. Uh, you get to see relatives of Biggie that you didn't even know he had um, and some relatives who are, you know, 
it, it will blow you away to see how old some of his surviving relatives are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really will. Um, like you get to see, uh, I, I, see, I don't want to give it away, but you know, I'll, I'll just say that, that, but besides his mom, there's other people, other relatives that you find out about. And, um, and it's just really fascinating when you see that they're still here, uh, where they live and how, you know, the connection to Biggie, it's just kind of crazy. And then people, a lot of people don't realize too, that, you know, hip hop has like, I would say there isn't any definitive origin of hip hop. Um, there's more than one origin of hip hop. It's one of those, it's, it's, it's a rare genre of music in America that has roots here and Jamaica. You know, in Jamaica, it would be toasting vocal, toasting vocals than DJs. So the DJ would play a record and a cat would, you know, rhyme over it. You know, they would call it toasting vocals or dance hall. You know, so, you know, there's, you know, there's roots with that. And and Biggie was exposed to that. But he was also exposed to the cats in New York who were rhyming, you know, whether it was Run DMC, you know, and J Master J or, or Big Daddy Kane or L.O. Cool J, all that. I mean, he was exposed to all that coming up. So... <laughs> You know, um, even when we listen to Juicy, he talks about uh, the rap and Duke, the ha, the ha. <laughs> that cat was on Soul Train back in the day. It's crazy. That's in the early ages of the, of the golden age of hip hop. But yeah, I, I enjoyed them digging into his family, digging into his childhood friends, who, whoever, you know, you know, who they were and how, you know, he was just Chris to them. You find out that you know Biggie would you know Biggie would do freestyles. Biggie would do rap battles on the street and get challenged. You know, and uh, it was it was real cool to see a young Christopher Wallace um, before he became you know the rap icon um, that he is today. You know, Biggie Smalls, aka Notorious B.I.G. And then you find out, I mean, there, <laughs> like I said, there's, there's things, even with his name, even with his rap name, um, his, like when you find out what his original rap name was, you would never think that was his name. I'll, I'll tell you that. You would never think that what his original rap name as a teenager, what that was. You know, how do you go from MC, I'm not going to say what it was, to... Biggie Smalls and Notorious B.I.G. It's just really interesting. I mean, it's just really fascinating to see that uh, when you watch this movie. Um, like I said, you get to see Faith Evans talk about him, Little C's, and then Puffy. So uh, you get to see uh, Mr. C, Big Daddy Kane's uh, DJ, and how he uh, influenced Biggie in his career. And also, Easy Mo B, the producer, the famed rap producer. And for y'all who don't know, you know, Easy Mo B worked with Bad Boy and Puffy. Easy Mo B is the guy who produced Craig Max, Flavor in Your Ear. He also went on later to work with Miles Davis off of the Doobop album, which is Miles Davis doing contemporary jazz. Now, some people say, oh, Miles Davis sold out. Everything Miles Davis touched artistically was like dope. 
including his contemporary jazz record, was better than the other contemporary jazz records that came out. So, no. So the fact that he, Miles Davis, worked with Easy Moe Beach shows you how open-minded this jazz legend, giant, and genius was. But yeah, you get to see Easy Moe B talk about Biggie and talk to, talk about how he knew he was on the streets and how he didn't want him to be there and how he was concerned about him. He said that he would see Biggie and his friends on the corner and sometimes he would just pick him up and just take him across the bridge and just drive around and just do different things. And they talk about their dreams and aspirations. You also find out that Biggie had a mentor, you know, someone in the neighborhood who lived next to him who was a musician. Now, all, all I'll tell you is that he was a musician and he would show Biggie different things. I mean, so it was really interesting um, that how they would talk about these things. Now, the things that are missing from this documentary are like the fact that they didn't get into Biggie's marriage per se. They, they, you know, they got into the fact that he had two children, his first girlfriend, you know, who, who gave him his daughter, and then how he married Faith and had Christopher, you know, Christopher Jr. They talked about that briefly, but they didn't talk about how he was messing with Faith. I mean, he was married to Faith, but had an affair with Lil' Kim and Charlie Baltimore. Charlie Baltimore. So, that was interesting. Um, but, there was still so much more material um, that you didn't know about. You know, it's like, This movie is like a Puff piece, pun intended, because Puffy executive produced it. But it's also a good movie because it, it still focuses on a lot of the positive of who he was. And like I said, it gives you so much information about other information that the world didn't know about that you're engaged and you enjoy watching this film. So, you know, I, I think it was great that, you know, in 2021, you know, P. Diddy was like, this is still my guy. Y'all need to know his story. And that his mom is still here and that she could talk about it. She's, you know, Vleta Wallace is heavily throughout the film. And it's great to see his mom and um, talk about her son. And it's interesting. There's a scene <laughs> where she says, you know, one of my neighbors, one of my friends called me and told me she bought his record. And she said she was just, her mouth dropped to the floor when she heard it. So when I mentioned it to Christopher, he's like, Mom, what are you doing? You can't listen to that record. That record's for, that record's not for anybody, uh, you know, under the age of 30. He said, that, that record is for, <laughs> it's not for anybody, uh, what do he say? It's not for anybody over the age of 35. <laughs> he says something like that to that effect. He's like, don't listen to my record, Mom. <laughs> And that was kind of funny because here you have this, you know, this uh, rap legend telling his mom, don't listen to my album. <laughs> it's not for you. But eventually she does hear it. So, but she's like, yeah, my girlfriend called me and she's just like, I heard his record and wow. And they talk about his first album, Ready to Die, and how that was uh, basically a state of mind in regards to just the way he was living. And not that he was ready to die, but that's just how he felt artistically. He just wanted, Biggie put it all out there. You know, his feelings on his life, his thoughts, um, just the good and the bad. It was, when I think about it in retrospect, 
he definitely shows the blues aspect of hip hop in his own way with that record. So, and it's 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 a great record, but it's also a jarring record because it's it's hardcore. <laughs> it's just <laughs> you know his narrative is vivid and dark and riveting. So, you know, and Biggie was those things, but also charismatic and bright and funny. He, you know, he was all those things. And you and you get to see that in the movie. Uh, you, you see the appeal. You, you know, one of his uh, childhood friends uh, decides to be his videographer, follow Biggie around and just videotape him everywhere. So you get to see a lot of that, that never before seen footage of him, uh, you know, in between shows, before shows, after shows, during shows. So uh, that was really cool as well. It's a, and then towards the end of the film, it just, you know, I I felt a little sad because you know how it's going to end. And, you know, there's a moment where before Biggie got his deal with Puffy that, you know, he was stressing because he's like, I need to, you know, I have to, you know, I've got, I got a kid. I got to, you know, I got I, I to gotta put, I got to provide, I got to put food on the table. I need this money. So Biggie was still in the, you know, the drug game. And one of Biggie's good friends knew that Biggie and Puff were talking and Puff was like, hold on, we're going to get there. Because there was some, you know, there was, there was some stalling and getting that record deal for, for, for Biggie. Puffy had to go through some changes to get everything situated. You know, Puffy was at Uptown Records, and eventually you find out that he gets let go. I mean, that's kind of common knowledge, but, you know, when you watch it in the movie, they put it in context, and he gets let go. So that's a setback for him and Big. So Big is ready to get back out on the road and just sell his drugs and make his money. And when Biggie, one of Biggie's friends tells Puffy what's going on, Puffy reaches out and like, look, I know you got to go out here. I said, I know you need your money. I, I get that, but I want you to know that, you know, we're going to do this. You can't keep, you, you, you need to have some faith in me. You can't do both. You can't have your hands in both. You can't have one foot in the street and one in the studio. You got to make a decision. So Biggie realized how serious Puffy was when he reached out to him and told him that. And Biggie made that conscious decision. Okay, I'm, I'm going to ride with you, Puff. Right, you know, I trust you. And that trust paid off. Now, what's cool is when you watch this movie, you get to see, because I forgot that in the music video for Juicy, you know, Biggie had his mom in the video acting and doing her thing. So she got to hear one of his songs. You know, she got to see him in his element, you know, in his, I mean, man. You know, Juicy is, <laughs> that's definitely one of my favorite, you know, that might be my favorite song from him because it was just so cool and vivid. You know, you dance and you hear it and you're just like, and you can relate to everything he's saying. You're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I remember Word Up Magazine. Yeah, I remember that. You know, talking about, you know, Mr. Magic and Molly Maul. I mean, he he came with it. But to see his mom in that video, a lady who's listening to reggae music and country, you know, appear in her son's rap video playing his mom. It was cool. And it was cute to watch her talk about that. And uh, just, 
knowing uh, that his ascension was inevitable. It's just, it's just great. It's great to watch and see and see. <laughs> it really is. Uh, what else did I want to say about this film? All the footage that you see of Biggie, you know, the unreleased footage is great to see. Watching him on stage, uh, Biggie would tell his friend, you know, tape the crowd, videotape the crowd, let me know. Um, so I want to see the reactions. I want to see what songs they react the best to, the most to, and what songs they don't, so we know what to pay. Biggie was really um, vested in making sure that his fans got their money's worth and. And um, he wanted to make sure that he gave them a great show. So, you know, the love of hip hop. This film was directed very well. And then, like, I mean, to see Puffy's reaction when he first hear Biggie's demo, it's really cool. It, it makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I got to meet this cat. And, you know, he and I, we're going we're gonna to have to do something. This cat's a star. I've never heard anybody like him. And I believe that. I do. You know, Biggie changed Puffy's life. Puffy changed Biggie's life forever. And this movie is a great introduction. It's a great, um, you know, expose. It's, it's a great movie about this artist. And if you, you know, I can definitely say that once you watch this film, you will definitely be into him. Um, and you would, if you weren't into him before, you'll be more, much more interested in it. On a scale of one to 10, I give this movie like uh, an eight and a half. So check it out. Biggie, I got a story to tell on Netflix. This is uh, Captain Keith, and thanks again, and see you somewhere out in space. <laughs>